Nicholas Krause was charged earlier today in Hennepin County District Court with second-degree intentional murder and two counts of assault in the death that killed a peaceful protester in Uptown, and certainly a lot has taken place with more protests, more questions about Krause's motive, how he still was driving, even though he was an unlicensed driver with his five DWIs. We have watched Uptown and Lake shut down, open, shut down, open, including involvement from city workers and more of a confrontation with the Minneapolis Police Department. It's time now for Plain Politics, this partnership between the Star Tribune and WCCO Radio. John Rash and Denise Johnson is joining us for the first time. Denise, glad to have you on board. I know this is a story you are paying close attention to. What effect do you think the charges will have against Krauss happening earlier today on what may take place the next couple days in Uptown, specifically Lake and Hennepin? Well, I think, you know, the the, the charges are a, a positive development, of course, but um, I think that the the protesters are determined. They're, they're looking for uh, having people from the U.S. Marshals Department um, uh, resign or or step down somehow or be fired. That's one of the things that they're looking for. Um, the the protesters, in the same way that they have in George Floyd Square, keep coming back. I know the city is reluctant to get into a kind of a direct confrontation with them when they're trying to you know do peaceful protesting, but they cannot be allowed to continue to uh, block the streets, vandalize cameras, um, which has happened uh, in that in that area, and so. You know, eventually that will be the city will have to uh, step up and do something about that. Sorry about that. I hit the mic. I apologize. Uh, John, how about that balance? Because Denise raises a very interesting question on uh, when the police step in, how long the police step in, and then the basis for why protesters are there. The fact that we don't have body cameras on what happened in the death that we have a witness who was inside the vehicle who says she didn't see a gun and there are no signs that anybody associated with that event with the shooting and the killing he's going to step down i i don't think any of us expect that to happen at least at this point on on this sort of trajectory well i think balance is an appropriate word to apply to this in nearly all these cases in that protesters need to balance the dynamics of being upset, of course, you know, that an individual tragically was killed at the hands of law enforcement, and to also realize that there are processes that are already in place that will very clearly examine what law enforcement did in this case and then take whatever appropriate, if any, action is warranted. We saw this play out, of course, with George Floyd, where people were understandably upset over what happened, but we had jurisprudence take part, take place, and Derek Chauvin was convicted of the most extreme charges that he had to face in a court of law. And so, you know, when you have a group like this who is self-appointed in terms of they will determine when and how and if 
Hennepin and Lake, one of the busiest intersections in the city, let alone the state, is reopening whether people can conduct commerce, let alone everyday lives. You also have people who live there or who have made their livelihoods there, some for decades, who face extraordinary challenges when something like this goes on. So balance needs to happen. And finally, I think Denise described it well in that, you know, certainly many people are very understandably upset and the charges may be highly warranted and appropriate. A court of law will decide regarding Nicholas Krauss. But the protesters are there more because of the law enforcement action as opposed to now protesting what Nicholas Krauss did, especially because it doesn't necessarily appear in terms of how it's been presented to the public that this is someone who had a political motive regarding the protesters. This is someone who clearly not only shouldn't have a license, but didn't have a license. And no. there are a whole yeah. different set of dynamics associated with that. So I want to stay with this, Denise, because both of you raised this interesting point. We were talking about this the other day. When you have individuals who are reacting to what happened or what didn't happen with Winston Smith and they're shutting down roads in this busy area, when they do this, are they causing more and more people to ask questions, to push the authorities about what really took place with Winston Smith, or does the conversation get distracted and pulled away from the Smith conversation to what is happening with just the shutting down the roads and, and the traffic part of the conversation? I think that's a good point. What what the risk that that advocates and protesters run, even though um, I certainly believe, and I know our editorial board believes that what they are protesting for is important in terms of police reforms, but they run the risk of alienating some people who would be on their side. Um, in the uptown area, uh, because of the, the, the population there, a lot of younger people, I'm sure that there are a number of them that believe in what they are protesting for. But some of those uptown res- res- residents have to get uh, back and forth where they live. Yes. Um, they don't want the continued noise. It's not that they can't protest, but but it has to be done in a way where they're not closing down streets, um, uh, running uh, businesses. Jude is an example of a business that's been there for many years, maybe two or three decades, and they're they're leaving. This was kind of wasn't the only thing, but kind of a last straw for them. Um, that's one of the things I think they need to take into consideration when they are blocking freeways and preventing people from getting to, to you know, pick up their kids from daycare, um, when they are preventing, you know, the elderly who have to walk to get to their the, their pharmacies uh, in, in some parts of the city. I mean, the same thing uh, happened on uh, the occupation of the precinct in North Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. You know, eventually things have to get back to some sense of normalcy for the people who live in the area. Both John and Denise are on the Shift Real Estate Hotline. He's playing politics, partnership with the station and the Star Tribune editorial board. All right, John, uh, President Biden and Air Force One have just taken off from Geneva. Both presidents had press conferences. What is your assessment, at least publicly, of what we know so far about today's events between the two leaders of the U.S. and Russia? That in terms of immediate action, little was accomplished, and yet something very significant was accomplished, not just by this meeting by the American and Russian president, but in the successive successful summits that 
President Biden had, and he lined them up very strategically in terms of the G7, the world's largest uh, economies that are also democracies, NATO summit, European Union summit, and a meeting with President Erdogan of Turkey, and then to President Putin. And instead of alienating allies, as clearly did happen by nearly every account under the Trump administration, he rallied allies and came at that meeting with a much more unified West, if not the world, in terms of expectations and how Russia should conduct itself at minimum in the international sphere, if not domestically as well. And so while there weren't any significant breakthroughs, if indeed they have what President Biden called for a more stable, predictable relationship, it also allows the West and the world to more focus on the much bigger geostrategic challenge, which is a rising China, and how to go about contending with Beijing that has clear territorial ambitions in the East and South China Seas, economic ambitions, wants to dominate also, you know, the five spheres of the upcoming economy from artificial intelligence to so many other aspects of the way the world is headed at this point. This is a big, tall order that China can and may do, Russia can't do. And so the Biden administration rightly wants to focus on that. And so this summit may lower the temperature with the Kremlin, which will help the White House move forward on those objectives. Denise, part of what I said when we carried part of uh, President Biden's press conference here on the show is this was fairly typical of a president meeting, especially early in the administration, trying to reset things. But let's see what happens in the next month to six months when we and in particular President Biden is tested by Vladimir Putin. He's not going to change. He he's going to in the different ways, whether it could be Ukraine, whether it could be exerting military influence as took place today, whether it's more cyber attacks. To me, all this sounded good today. It was positive. It was typical. It was nothing like Helsinki. But the true test to me, Denise, is what happens when there are multiple challenges, uh, as Putin normally does when seemingly he's president for life, and how the president reacts to that. Well, Ted, I think you're right about that. Uh, but Putin, or I'm sorry, Biden said over and over again uh, that we will see. We will see what he does. Yep. He says that that the United States is prepared to um, to respond in the areas of you know um, uh, uh, the cyber areas they are prepared to uh, respond. He wouldn't say what he was pressed on that question as to whether or not there was any kind of military intervention that might might occur. And of course he's not going to commit to that at this point. But he didn't uh, certainly didn't say that he was taking Putin's word for for anything mm-hmm. in terms yeah. of any kind of progress. I mean they, they in their joint statement they just they agreed that they have shared goals of, you know, ensuring predictability in the strategic sphere, reducing the risk of armed conflict. This is just directly from the statement and the threat of nuclear war. But that doesn't give any specifics about what they will actually do. And if Russia makes any moves in those directions, I think Biden made it very clear that those are uh, things that the United States will will respond to. Denise, glad to have you part of the rotation. Enjoy the conversation. John, you as always, and we'll uh, talk next week. Thank you, Chad. Thank you. Thank you.